anyway, um, I wanted to do one last show uh, by sharing one of my short stories. Uh, the story is called Swinging from a Chandelier. And um, it was published earlier this year by Asterix Journal. You can actually find um, a longer version of the story there. For the purposes of this podcast, I decided to um, do sort of a condensed version and um, play with some different um, sounds. So anyway, it, it was fun to make. I hope you enjoyed. And um, I'll see you in season two. Swinging from a Chandelier Melissa had something to tell me. We had arrived late at a party in the East Village, hosted by some crotchety writer, whose first novel was negatively reviewed in the New York Times. We were surrounded by a group of young, lanky women who were awkwardly dancing in place, beer cans bopping, posture slouched taking tentative steps like marionettes. I hunted for something to calm me. I asked one of the marionettes for a sheet of rolling paper so I could enjoy the stash of buds I found in Crotchety's cookie jar. When I finally scored some banana-flavored bamboo, Melissa tapped me on the shoulder. Want some? I said. The taste of synthetic banana numbed my tongue. I'm sleepy, she said, yawning into her fist. It's not even midnight. She looked at me, and at the joint I held between my thick fingers. She knew how much I hated to smoke when someone else's saliva slathered my joint. I have to go soon, she said. Is the awkward parade getting to you? I thought we were going to a quieter place. We hadn't hung out for over two weeks, and I was beginning to feel rejected. What's the matter, pretty girl? I said. I went to the pharmacy today to pick up something in the lady aisle, she said. I cut her off. It's absurd, right? In one aisle. Diapers and condoms, lube and tampons, feminine hygiene products, and pregnancy tests? Wait, is something wrong? I'm turning 35, and I'm not married. I mean, I don't want to be married. I love that about you, I said. No, listen, Sabi, I have no one. What are you talking about? You have me. She stood up straight and placed her paw on her belly. She not only bit her nails to the nail bed, she liked to chew through the skin on her thumb, gnawing at hangnails and flesh, her fingers always pink and tender. Wait a minute, I said, and waved to Joaquin, who walked into the party. I hadn't seen him since that night last month when I raged at the film forum after some idiot decided to stand up in the middle of the leaf scene in Bertolucci's The Conformist. 
Joaquin, being the diehard Bertolucci freak that he is, stayed in his bored, thin seat and acted like he didn't know me when the usher rushed in and kicked me out. I ran to the bar on the corner where there was always a line to get in to see the band, but I knew the bouncer. He's a second or third cousin from the Heights who once asked me to write him a paper on the Bronte sisters, and he got an A, and it was the only A he remembers ever getting. All night I texted Joaquin, but nothing, and now he's here. Melissa, who knows when my mind starts running the marathon, put her hand on top of my head and said, Calm down. But I never listened to Melissa. I took off after Joaquin, and he turned, pulled my pleasantly plump body into his long arms, squeezed me, and then took a good look at me. <sighs> what are you wearing? Is that all you're going to say to me? But how could I stay mad at him? It was true. I hadn't thought my outfit through. My hot pink librarian sweater had shed its bright fluff over my black slacks. The pants rode up my crotch, so I kept pulling down on my pant legs, but pulling the leg meant stretching the fabric in front of my upper thighs. I had pockets of air there. Joaquin scowled. Are you wearing a bra? Yes, you idiot but I hate feeling constricted. So I get my bras a size too big. Doesn't that defeat the purpose? Wouldn't my boobs sag anyways? Because of gravity and whatnot? You need to worship Anna Wintour, he said with clinical seriousness. Who the fuck is Anna Wintour? Hey, hey, Melissa said. Why don't you two kiss and make up? Joaquin leaned in to kiss my cheek, but I pushed my hand in his way. Without hesitation, he kissed it. Then he walked away to grab something to drink or a hookup. Who knows? I needed to find a spot to smoke the banana joint I hid in my bra. I really need to talk to you. Melissa would not let it go. I spotted an open window down the hall. I wasn't going to let her ruin my night. And more than anyone, she would understand. We've been hanging out since we were 20, enjoying New York City and crashing at friends' apartments. A tall, bearded guy fixed his eyes on Melissa. He came over with two red stripes. He handed Melissa one bottle, but she refused. I grabbed it and tried to gulp it down. But my gag reflexes kicked in. I choked and spat more than a mouthful of beer and foam all over Melissa's jeans before she could jump out of the way. Really? She said, looking at me, the way she did whenever I switched subjects in the middle of our conversations. Oh, geez, sorry. I frantically tried to wipe the beer off her, but she swatted my hand away and walked to the kitchen where the bearded guy chased after her. I rushed over to the open window, relieved to leave everyone out in the living room, swaying awkwardly to a remix of Fleetwood Mac's Tusk. 
alone finally I panicked because I didn't have anything to light my banana boon with and then this giant in cargo pants and heavy construction boots came out of the bathroom I didn't think he even noticed me until he reached into his back pocket and pulled out what looked like a tiny grenade I stared at the little black missive in the middle of his massive, calloused hand. He flipped open the top and then pushed a trigger. A small torch appeared. It looked like the engine fire of a fighter jet. I stood back, fearful that the tiny jet flame would singe the ends of my fake lashes which took about half an hour to glue on. I surrendered my joint, and he placed it on his dry, wind-burnt lips. He lit the joint, but didn't take a deep drag, like any good American would. When he handed it back, I said, Thanks. His body, a foot and a half taller and wider than everyone in the party, I sucked on that little joint like a vacuum cleaner. For a second, the deep inhalations made my vision go blue. The giant barely nodded before lumbering away. A remix of Joy Division's No Love Lost played in the living room. And it was a guitar-slashing, kinetic drumbeat that only those tweaking on Dexedrine could dig. The rest of us, dead-headed types, could only stand with hands on hearts, freaked out by the bouncy vibration, playing in sync with our heartbeats, and wondering, how the fuck did the DJ know the beat of my heart? That guy deserved the Nobel Prize for figuring that out without a PhD. The giant stood in the kitchen drinking a tall boy. Crotchety stared up at the giant like he was a kid lost in the supermarket. He waved at the awkward marionettes, no doubt hoping they would come over and flirt with the giant, but no one paid him any mind. I said, right on, sisters, as I shoved them out of my way. I took a sip of the giant's tall boy and asked him very sweetly, is there something I can help with? You got to tell these people the party's over. The giant said to Crotchety. What's wrong with staying a little longer and getting a free buzz on? I said. I just came off a 14-hour shift, the giant said. Doing what? Construction. Crotchety pulled on the neck of his Justin Bieber t-shirt. If you're lucky, a boy would pinch your nipple. I attempted a sexy Mae West wink which I then followed up with an unintentional horse laugh. The giant wasn't convinced. Come on, you need a drink. I grabbed the giant's hand and tried to drag him, but he didn't budge. Joaquin was still in the living room smoking a royal blue Fantasia cigarette. Whoa, girly. I'm not sure you're my type, the giant said as he tried to pull away. Don't be fussy. I'm married. 
I dropped his hand and pulled out the ring hanging from the gold chain around my neck. My fingers are like sausages. And today, I'm retaining water. Because Aunt Flo is about to hit the town like a tornado. Jesus, what's with you? Sabi, I heard Melissa's voice from behind. What already? I turned and looked into her bespeckled eyes. I'm pregnant. Congrats, the giant said. He shook her small, chewed-up paw with his massive hand. This fellow works in construction. That's all you're going to say to me? I'm pregnant. Pregos. But Melissa and I had a silent pact. She was my fun friend, the free friend, with no interest in family or marriage. No man or woman was going to be responsible for her happiness. <sighs> Are you keeping it? The protective way she held her body away from me and anyone near her was enough of an answer. Shit, the baby will be real. Let's go somewhere quiet to talk. I can't leave this guy alone with these wackadoos. The giant turned his attention to the dying party and then sent me a questioning look. Out in the living room, Joaquin was putting on his leather jacket. Wait up, Joaquin. I've got time for one more drink, I yelled across the living room. Boiler room, Joaquin answered as he walked out the door. I hoped he wouldn't abandon me again. Oh, yes, divine, I said, because the last time we had ended up at that bar, one drunk guy had called me Rita Hayworth. And I know I don't look anything like Rita. But on the good hair day, I make an ugly Rita. And ugly Rita is much better than what I look like on my bad hair days. You're a piece of work, Melissa said. Call me when you're ready to talk. I watched her walk away, her paws still on her belly as she shoved a few chubby boys out of her way. She couldn't have been too far along. She was still petite, but there was a tension in her shoulders and the usual sway in her hips was gone. Her body gave off that you better step off vibe that we had mastered at hip-hop shows back in the day when we were surrounded by boys wanting to grope any girl that walked in their way. How can she do this to me, I said. The giant's dark eyes softened, I think. The table lamps around the room made everything look golden and warm. Just then Sia sang, I'm gonna swing from the chandelier. And I remembered that one time when I was on a health kick and pushing through the elliptical machine at like 2.5 mph and that song came on and my legs pumped that machine so fast that for a moment, 
I flew. My body tingled. My heartbeat jumped to 161 BPM. The party crowd was leaving. Melissa, probably halfway to her Queensbound subway. And the giant's dark eyes were still on me. He waited for me to, I don't know, rip my hot pink sweater off, <laughs> wipe away the moisture now forming in my eyes and under my nostrils. Fly like a bird through the night. I won't look down, won't open my eyes. Thank you so much for listening to Digging Through with Jesse Alvarez. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with some new material, uh, opening up our season two with a very special guest. So do follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, etc., etc., and have a wonderful, wonderful life. Flowers. <laughs>